Before I go to God's word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be fully acceptable in your sight, O Savior and Redeemer. Amen. So let us just look here that reverence in God's house, as in the handout is stated, is a statement from Scripture that you find in Leviticus 19, verse 1, 2, and 13. And the word of God says there, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God am holy. So we should be holy because God is holy. There's no doubt about it, you know, no, no discussion about it. But then at the end of this chapter, you find a number of things that if you are holy and God is holy, that is what we should do. And so at the end of this chapter, we read, You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And the same is repeated in Leviticus 26, verse 2 and onward, where it is connected to the covenant blessings and curses. If you are reverent, you, get, you follow those suggestions. If not, you are being cursed. And here the point is, if you are holy, then if the Lord is holy, you are holy. And then you keep my Sabbath. But together with keeping the Sabbath... There you will reverence my sanctuary. So keeping the Sabbath is intimately related for Sabbath keepers to reverence of God's sanctuary. It's very interesting. Then in point two here, we find a terrible incident. Again in Leviticus, but this time chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. There is the transgression of Nadab and Abihu and the sons of Aaron. And they took either of them his censer, put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not to do. So here are instructions of the leaders in the sanctuary, God's people, and you have to follow certain procedures, but they did not. In some way, they were affected, inebriated with their mind, and took fire that was not prescribed in the reference of the sanctuary. And so they were, and it says, and then they went out, fire from the Lord, and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And it says also that Aaron was not to mourn of what his sons had done. So it was a terrible judgment. But again, they didn't follow the counsel of the Lord in reverence, and what you should do, and specifically an offering, and therefore they were killed. And throughout the Bible you find the importance of we have, in everything we do, we have to glorify God and show reverence. In Psalm 89, verse 7, it says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. So again, if you want to glorify God, you follow this, especially in regard to reverence. Then I looked at the spirit of prophecy, and uh, 
And there is a major section here in the book Child Guidance. And it seems that in the book Child Guidance, which is for children and parents, how to educate your children, that she is very concerned about the parents and the children be reverent in the sanctuary. A whole major section there in Child Guidance, you find it. And in, on page 540, she says, nearly all need to be taught how to conduct themselves in the house of God. Does it apply to us? Why? It says here nearly all. So there seems to be a great need of reverencing God's people. Then it says here, uh, and that is also on point four here, parents should not only teach, but what? Command their children. You can follow this in the outline. Uh, their children to enter the sanctuary with sobriety and reverence. So it is not simply a teaching how to do this, but it is a command. This is what the Lord says, and that is what you should do. It's no option. Option. So how are you going to teach people reverence? You know, I mean, we use this term frequently, but, but how to teach us? And the next statement, it's clearly showing the two important things, how to teach them. True reverence for God is inspired by a sense of his what? Infinite greatness and a realization of his presence. With this sense of the unseen, the heart of every child should be deeply impressed. So first of all, the almighty greatness, infinite greatness. I mean, God is beyond everybody and everything else. And therefore, because of this greatness of the Lord, the God, we should be reverent. But at the same time, he's not only far away, powerful. No, he is, his presence is with us in the sanctuary. So both his infinite greatness impresses us, but at the same time, his presence among us. And those two elements we should keep in mind when we are going to worship. Now, people say, you know, I, I like to worship. I like to see my friends and whatever and socializing and whatever. That is not a part of worship. You have a fellowship dinner afterwards. You know, you can do that all the time. But worship deals with focusing on whom? God. His greatness and his presence. And if we keep those things in mind, every time when we go to church, friends, we will be enlightened by this. Then she continues here in Child Guidance 538. The hour and place of prayer and services of public worship, the child should be taught to regard as sacred. Because why? God is there. God is there. So we have normally the common place and the sacred place. And the church itself is a sacred place. Not a fellowship meal, you know, that we get in, in, in the church. Oh, that's very important. But it is specifically the sacredness because God is specifically there. And then what you see in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, how Jesus is angry and he uses a whip and he kicks 
many people out. The money changers, the sellers, the cattle, and specifically stated here because of the noise and the Bethlehem. Matthew 21, verse 13, and John 2, verse 16. And then see, Spirit of Prophecy shows a picture of the situation there in the time of Jesus in regard to the sanctuary. And it seems that he desires a holy stillness, a perfect order, neatness and humility in the church. That's interesting. A holy stillness. Now I think if we are really impressed with that concept, things may change in the church. You think so? You know, reflect upon what is going to take place in every, every service. Is there a holy stillness? Perhaps the first service. But is the second service a holy stillness? Again, she writes, the house of God is often desecrated and Sabbath violated by what? By Sabbath-believing children. In some cases, they're even allowed to run about the house, play, talk, manifest the evil tempers in the very meetings where the saints should worship God in the beauty of holiness. And the place that should be holy and where a holy stillness should reign and where there should be a perfect order, neatness and humility is made to be a perfect Babylon and confusion. This is enough to bring God's displeasure and shut his presence from the assemblies. Now, you know, we may not think that if there is not the holy stillness, but the consequence is the displeasure of God. And it shut out his presence from our assemblies. So we go there to meet God, and because of the behavior, he will not be present. Now, that's really serious. Very serious. Then in number seven here, don't talk to the sermon during the sermon. Do not have so little reverence for the house and worship of God as to communicate with one another during the sermon. Now, may, maybe you, the, the people say, yeah, but you know, we're talking about a sermon. If you talk about a sermon, you better pay attention to the sermon. Right? If those who commit this fault should see the angels of God looking upon them and marking their doings, they would be filled with shame and abhorrence of themselves. God wants attentive hearers. Then it continues on the same vein, number eight here. Don't read, whisper, and laugh. Reverence is greatly needed in the youth of this age. I am alarmed as I see children and youth of the religious parents so heedless of the order and pro propriety that should be observed in the house of God. While God's servants are presenting the words of, the pulp, of life to the pulpit, some will be reading, 
others whispering and laughing. Their eyes are sinning. And why is it sinning? Here comes. By diverting the attention of those around him. So if we do those things, what will it do to people around us? Because they will certainly observe that. In fact, you know, uh, uh, not too long ago I saw that uh, some parents helped their children because they were very hungry. And uh, maybe they didn't get a breakfast or whatever. But, uh, you know, those children were really eagerly eating what they were offered. This habit, if allowed to remain unchecked, will grow and influence others. Again, here it says, common talking, whispering and laughing should not be permitted in the house of worship, either, see, not during, but either before or after the service. And it's interesting, you know, how people, when they come in, they greet each other, talk a little bit, but then when they are being ushered out, you don't have even the idea that you're in a church. Because people are laughing and talking. One of the elders said, you know, I can't understand this. What is taking place after the service? Anyway, this is some of the comments that were made that stimulated me to research this. Number nine. Maintain a true spirit of devotion and have intercessions prayer for conversion of others before the service. You know, when we were in Korea as a missionary, many years ago, it might be different now, but members were very reverent in the church. Every person came quietly with the Bible. Then upon sitting down in their seat, they bowed their head and prayed. Very impressive. Another example from Ellen White when she visited Europe. She said the Scandinavians... And in fact, nearly all European worshippers manifest much more reverence in the 19th century, that was, than is seen among the Americans. And as soon as they entered the place of worship, they bowed their heads and offered silent prayer. And so Ellen Wright recommended, when the worshippers enter the place of meeting, they should do with the quorum, passing quietly to their seats, and if some have to wait a few more minutes before this meeting begins, let them maintain a true spirit of devotion by what? Silent meditation, keeping their heart uplifted to God in prayer. That the service may be of special benefit to their own heart and lead them to the conviction and conversion of other souls. So they pray then for themselves and for other souls that are attending the church. And then they should remember that heavenly messengers are in the house of God. We are to lose much sweet communion with God by our restless and not by encouraging moments of reflection. Let me just continue here. Number 12. And this is something that I had to learn because uh, when I joined the church, uh, I didn't know that. But all need to have a special Sabbath suit. Many, many need instruction 
as to how they should appear in the assembly for worship on the Sabbath. They are not to enter the presence of God in common clothing, worn during the week. They should have a special Sabbath suit to be worn when attending the service in God's house because you are in the presence of God. If you get an invitation of President Biden, would you go into your jeans and whatever? No, you wouldn't. You would be respectful of the person that has invited you to come. And this, now, you know, this thing is, uh, not everybody has the money, whatever. Uh, Not too long ago, when I baptized somebody, uh, I said, have you a suit? No, this is only what I have. He says, so now, can you not get a suit? No, I, I, I don't have the income, I don't have the money. Okay, I said, let's go to uh, Chattanooga, to men's warehouse. But he said, I don't have the money. Come on, don't worry about it. So we went to men's warehouse. He got the best suit for his size, and then I paid for it. Because if people don't have it, the money, you have to help it. And so then he came to church from that one in a suit. And when he was baptized, it was in a suit. And so, friends, the picture that people have about our God depends on what? On how we behave in the Lord's work. How we behave that. And if you really appreciate this, then on Sabbath people said, hey, they are dressed up. Why are they dressed up? And they may ask you questions. Because they go and worship their God. The God of the Sabbath. Now, at some time, there is really a problem with children. And uh, parents cannot control themselves. What are you going to do? What are you doing? How to deal with children who disturb the service? Here again is a testimony uh, in child guidance. Your child should be taught to obey the, chil- the, the children of God as the children of God obey him. This is the standard. If this standard is maintained, and that is number 13, if this is maintained, you will have some weight when your child is restless in the, in the house of God. But if the children cannot be restrained, if the parents feel that restraining is too much of an exception, and that is what you have frequently, that the parents don't want to disturb their children, the child should be removed from the church at once. Why? Because it should not be left to the children to divert the mind of the hearers by talking or running about. God is dishonored by the loose way in which parents manage their children while at church. So if you let your child go, it will affect the audience that want to have a blessing from the sermon. And it is impossible if a child is allowed to do this. And uh, yeah, you may say, you know, that is really terrible. We don't want to put those children away from church. But... Who is responsible? 
what is the responsibility of the parents? Are they faithful in training the children? Are they? If not, then they shouldn't. And, you know, you may say yes, but you can, you can say it because you don't have any more children. When our children were small, that's exactly what we did. Because our children were not angels, definitely not. And when they really were restless and, 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 and disturbed with the people, not my wife, but I had to take them. I don't leave it to my wife. And I took the children out. And if they continued, then we went downstairs to the bathroom. And that is what they didn't like. What happened, happened in the bathroom? And then they said, no, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. And we had mercy, provided you were quiet. And so that is what we did. And in a couple of months, the matter was settled. Was settled. Settled. You have to be consistent, kind, and this is it. And then we go here to the last one here. The church is the very gate of heaven. And that is very, very good for instructions. And that goes with the experience of Jacob, who was asleep on a rock and saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder between heaven and earth. And that is the same what happened today. Angels will also go between heaven and earth. Genesis 28, verse 16 and 17. And Jacob wakened out of the sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place, that is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And again, he called this place Bethel, the very gate of heaven. And so every Sabbath, we can have a battle experience as angels ascend and descend with precious blessings on our congregation. And the realization that the place of worship is at the gate of heaven. God is high and holy. And to the humble believing souls, the house on earth is the place where the people meet to worship. It's the gate of heaven. So if you drive to the church... Think about it. I'm going to visit the gate of heaven. What does it impress you? The gate of heaven? At the resurrection, we go also to the gate of heaven and the angels are there and whatever. It's beautiful, beautiful. And so if you think about the beauty of going to church with our children and teach them this is the gate of heaven, what an impression should it be? You see? The gate of heaven. And so when we go then to church, it is tremendous. What are we doing? If you take your Bible, uh, you find us specifically here. Psalm 150 here. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. This is 150. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent creations. This is what we do when we go to the gate of heaven. We praise him. What are you going to do if you are early in church? Praise him. Thank him that you are not struck down by COVID-19. Praise the Lord that he is preserving our church. Praise the Lord that he is giving me jobs to earn money. 
Praise the Lord that he's given me a marvelous family, marvelous children. And so you can go to the church, the gate of heaven, and continue to praise the Lord before and after the church. What do you say? What a beautiful, I mean, what are we going to do to church if you go earlier? No, in Korea we noticed that people sometimes came 15 minutes earlier to do what? To praise God, to sing praises to his name. And friends, it is my hope and thrust and my desire that this handout will stimulate you to make the worship experience so much that here in this church reigns the stillness of a holy God. What do you think? And friends, this morning I want to make an appeal. Those who want to follow these counsels and to walk with the Lord and in the holy stillness of this, considering the church as the gate of heaven, if that is your, your, your desire, that you want to implement all those counsels, can I see your hands? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have seen the hands of those who are determined to make this sanctuary experience more reverent, that we may experience this as the gates of heaven. Father, we are weak, and we may forget those things, but help us to put those counsels that I have printed up, bless them to put it in the Bible, so that every time when they go to church, they may reflect upon the beautiful counsels that you have given to your servants, the spirit of prophecy. And may we not forget those things, but may this church be really the sanctuary of his greatness. Thank you so much, Father. Bless this church and bless our experience in this church. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.